We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What else? Do we have anything else? What, what else? We, we got an entire cap or no cap to get through. <laughs> but for now, I think, you know, this will be a good point where Andrew's like, cool, we'll cut it here. We'll, we'll uh, give people you, a break on the next episode. You're welcome, Andrew. You're welcome, Andrew. Hot. Thank you. All right. So take it away, my friend. All right. So we're going to talk about Jaden Ivy today. Now, here's the thing about Jaden Ivy. We're not going to really, at least I'm not going to. You're welcome to. I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about Jaden Ivey, the prospect. Yeah. It's not my forte. I'm going to lean on Chris Persianen. I'm going to lean on Prez. I'm going to lean on a lot of people who have taken the time. What I feel like, what I'm going to do, and what hopefully we both can do together, is evaluate the idea where if Jaden Ivey is the guy for the Knicks, what they should do, why they should do it, all these different things. But before we step into it, we both have the same mindset, or at least it seems that way. I think you'll agree with oh, us. But I'm with you. It's the fact of if the, if the front office believes in Jaden Ivey and feels that he can be this incredible talent or at least a star, whatever it might be, and it's worth trading up for him, they should do it. 
because the cost of getting Jaden Ivy going from 11 to four is probably going to be a lot cheaper than getting Donovan Mitchell or waiting to see the next star that's on the market or doing whatever you need to do. And selfishly, because I still am very infatuated with the idea of clearing max cap space in 2025 (laughs) and then signing an elite free agent and then using excess salary that you got on the books and other picks to get another player a la what the 2019 Los Angeles Clippers did. This fits in very nicely because you get cost controlled star, assuming that's what they believe Jaden Ivey can become and what he does become for this year, the 2023-24 season, 2024-25 season. And oh, look at that. The 2025-26 season when it would be like 10 and a half or 10 point something million dollars. That's good value. That's how you strike trading for a star like Donovan Mitchell, where he takes up a lot of your cap space, which isn't a problem, so to speak. It just, it makes life a little bit harder and you've kind of, uh, you've, you've hurt your timeline. This is to me the best way where the Knicks can be half pregnant. They can get someone that they truly believe in that fits along the, the timeline of the core and they don't have to pay an arm and a leg to get someone who's 26, 27, where other teams, I mean, teams are going to be bidding for Ivy too, don't get me wrong, but where you don't have to worry about matching salary and topping an offer um, when, I mean, again, you have to worry about topping an offer here, don't get me wrong, but like, it's just a very different scenario. It's established talent. It's why it will be more expensive. This, you're taking the risk. But the one thing I'll say before I turn it back to you, uh, we as fans don't see a lot of what goes on. I'm not just talking about the the process and the person and all that. We don't know what goes on in terms of a lot of the analytics. We get some access to it. Uh, if you pay for Synergy, you get a little bit more access to it. But the one thing that I think is really important, we can talk about Walt Perrin and how great he is. And he is great for as long as we want. But the beauty of this as well is that the Knicks, and it's been on record, Seth Partner has talked about this. The Knicks have built a team of analysts who are special who have specialized in data and analytics to a degree that a lot of other teams have not and if you have all of the data in front of you and you have the most knowledge compared to a lot of other people and you have the CAA connection and you know who he is and you can work through it that's how you get your intel done so even if i for example am not completely sold on jaden ivy as the prospect and i'm not saying i'm not i'm just hypothetically there's so much information and data that the Knicks have of Jaden Ivey on the court and off the court that is a decision where I'd feel very comfortable with them making. It just comes down to cost and availability. Um, it, it It's not an overpay if he turns into the guy that you think you're getting. And I think there is a lot of people getting caught up in the notion of like, man, that's a lot to trade up for a guy who is not proven for reasons X, Y, and Z. And like you talked about, we don't need to go through the reasons um, why he is not the perfect prospect. Uh, you know, the the Morant comparisons are, are ridiculous. Morant led the country in assists. He mm-hmm. averaged 10 assists a game as a sophomore uh, at, at Murray State. Um, Jaden Ivey averaged like three. Uh, <laughs> these are not, these are, he is not Morant. Or any other can't miss prospect over any any draft year you want to talk about. That's why he's going fourth, or probably no higher than fourth, 
in a year in which the first three guys, these guys are not franchise changing guys, by the way, Chet Holmgren, uh, Paolo Boncero and, and Jalen Smith, or at least they are as on Caro, I think could be, but could but be, I, the, all of them yeah. could be sure. as of right now that nobody thinks that they are going to, they're, they're not Cade, at least the perception right yes. now is that they're not Cade and, and Ivy's going after these guys. So he's not it, like, this is, it is risky. What I will then turn around and say is if there were not risk, you would not be able to get him because if he, if like those couple of unchecked boxes were checked, or if even maybe one more of the unchecked boxes in terms of his package were checked, you're not getting this kid. Um, so you take the risk and uh, you know, you let the chips chips fall where they may. I agree. Uh, what a team wants and what a team needs. The Kings, they want to compete now. The philosophy, at least we should say these are the teams on the Woods report, by the way. Yes. Uh, I really think the Kings should just take best player available, but I understand that they are, there are other factors at play. They want to make the play in, make the playoffs for the first time since 2006. Um, It's important. I don't know how many presidents of the United States can get elected before the Kings actually make the playoffs again. I understand why ownership wants them to make the playoffs. Um, but then there's the Pistons. They also want Ivy. The Pacers reportedly want Ivy too. Uh, same with the Wizards and of course the New York Knicks. Now, we've talked about two different processes. There's trading from 11 to 4 directly. You know, it's sending uh, veterans and players and picks to get to Sacramento and hope that it works out. Well, speaking of clumsy fits with Randall in Portland, yeah. The same applies to the Kings. If the Kings had traded for Miles Turner instead, this would probably be one of those like, it's not a slam dunk, but it makes a lot more sense. But as a result, it just doesn't really work as a two-way team trade. Nope. Um, and then you go down the list like, okay, yeah. Is Evan Fournier the guy? I, I say this with respect because I think Fournier is a good player and I think the contract's fine. But is Evan Fournier the type of player where you trade the fourth pick in some sort of move with other moving pieces? Um, probably not. Like you have Dante DiVincenzo. You, you can get similar value out of him without having to lump in the fourth pick. And there's RJ Barrett. Um, do I think RJ for four would be a good trade? Honestly, no, I don't. I would much rather keep RJ Barrett. Do I understand the logic of why RJ fits perfectly for what they want and how I think if you did include RJ, then the fourth pick would be much more easily attainable? Yes, but I'm still not willing to do that. I I do believe in RJ. I believe as well from a salary cap perspective, it's really important to keep having him on the books. um, So you can go over the caps. You have someone that is also like the quote unquote homegrown star, assuming he grows into that. So as we've talked about before, and as I maintain trading from 11 to four, it just from straight from 11 to four with no, nothing in between, no other help is really difficult. And I know that people might think, oh, well, OB, IQ, all these things. Well, we love these players because of the potential for at least for IQ and OB. I think they can get to a point where they have high potential, but the Kings aren't banking on high potential right now. They want a more sure thing for the fourth pick overall, because if they wanted to deal with potential, they would just take Jaden Ivey. So it's how can you get all these pieces in alignment? And I just don't think you can do it directly going from 11 to four. It's a huge jump. The Knicks just don't have the pieces that line up. What say you? Uh, I said it on the mailbag and I will just repeat this. Um, 
a team had like absent the couple of times when you had a slightly sub all-star level young ish player on your roster. Uh, Antoine Jameson, Elton brand, um, Sharif of Rahim are the names from the last 25, uh, 30 years. Uh, the the only and Ray Allen is kind of in a different category, mm-hmm. um, but you could throw him into this conversation as well. Uh, and the Knicks do not have someone in that category. All due respect to Julius Randle and RJ Barrett is in that category, but they're again they're not trading him. So there is no history of a team trading up from eleven to four. You have to go or at least modern history. You have to go back to I think I mentioned this I, on the mailbag pod you have to go back to oh when was it yes 1995 uh when god love the clippers um antonio mcdice was the second pick he went to denver for uh brent barry who had the fifth was taken with the 15th pick and rodney rogers so you have to go back 27 years before there was a deal that is remotely comparable to this and it was executed by the clippers and it might as well be a million years ago Yes. Based on how the it's landscape of the NBA has changed. It's a different it's a different league. It's just it doesn't happen. Uh not saying it can't happen, not saying it can't happen, but it, it just it there's no precedent for it. Agreed. So we could talk about trading from eleven to four indirectly, which is going from eleven to the five to eight range, then from five to eight to four. Um I mean, you do this if you know you can move up to four or you don't get to move up to four, you're stuck in the five to eight range, but there's a prospect that you really love as well, and you're comfortable just taking the swing on them there. Um, but the, the question then is, well, what if a team that is in the five to eight range also wants Jaden Ivey and can top your offer? That's certainly the big question. Um, and another thing to keep in mind is in 2019, yes, 2019, there was the trade of 11... For six and uh, Dario Saric. Yes. And the thing is, the Wolves didn't go from six to four. They stayed at six. They took Jarrett Culver. I don't want to give off the impression that you shouldn't do that because you could draft a Jarrett Culver. It's more that I do wonder if you went from six to four, if that's worthwhile. It, it, it may not be. Because um, we saw a team go from eight to four, but more on that momentarily. The point is, it's just, and the, um, you just, you have to be convinced that you can make this and make it work. And by the way, I don't even know if that trade is worth bringing up because the, the Suns reportedly or allegedly, whatever you want to say, would have taken Cam Johnson over Culver at like, if, if they had just an equal choice between the two players, they, they wanted Cam Johnson. Yes. So, yeah. So I want to bring back this image that we talked about for the last draft cap or no cap, which was uh, Kevin Pelton's draft pick trade value. It basically just highlights how the, the value you typically get first overall is ridiculously high. And then the drop between first and second is almost a thousand points. And the drop between second and third is a little over 300 points. Uh, and then from there it's 200 and then maybe another 150. It keeps dropping, but there's such a huge gap. Like 4,000 points picking first overall versus 2,040 points picking eighth overall. That's essentially saying that the value of the first overall pick is twice the amount of that as the player taken eighth overall. 
So it's just something to keep in mind as we move forward for reasons that I'll get into where when you talk about quality and quantity, this is kind of the nice way of balancing things, or at least trying to see how it shakes out. Um, so let's talk about the 2019 trade. Uh, yes. The, the Hawks and the Pelicans. The this Solomon is, Hill deal. Yes. <laughs> Love this All trade. it should be known as. This uh, is the, the as complicated a two-team trade. And well, it may have not have ended up as a two-team trade, right? Did it end up looping in those other teams? No, it was a two-team. It was just a two-team. Okay. Yeah. So um Pelicans had Zion number one. They had the fourth pick thanks to the Lakers, Anthony Davis magic. Uh not that's magic, what I wasn't Orlando, sure about, but, is if the, it yes. was the same trade as the AD, but you're, you're right. It was a different mm-hmm. trade. So the Pelicans decided let's trade four. let's fill out our roster more. So they traded four and 57 and Solomon Hill and a conditional 2023 second round pick for eight, 17, 35, um, a protected 2020, well, that should say protected 2020 first, um, not 2022nd, but it turned out to be the 35th pick in last year's draft, which became Herb Jones, and then a 2022nd uh, for this year. So when you look at the value, 4 and 57, based on that chart, was 2,680 points. And then you have to also consider that they were dumping Solomon Hill. I was, yeah, they, they wanted to get rid of that money. And then the Pelicans, 8, 17, and then two players that were eventually drafted, 35th overall. That's 4,490 points. So this is the thing. Quality, or I should say quantity, had to be so overwhelmingly higher than quality for the Pelicans to make this deal. And the funny part is, I don't think either of these teams would do this deal again. Maybe the Hawks <laughs> would claim that they do. They take DeAndre Hunter because he's and, still on the roster. Yeah, but um, I mean, Jackson Hayes has his own legal issues, and there's there's a potential. There's potential that he is never going to play for the Pelicans again. I don't know. He's also in a contract year. The Pelicans have their own money woes coming up. Uh, do they even want to pay Jackson Hayes? That's why I go back to this idea where if they don't value him, if no one values him, and they want to get off the money, and they don't want to deal with the potential suspension and they've got Larry Nance Jr. is something the Pelicans do in terms of saving money like Garrett Temple, Jackson Hayes and eight for Kemba Walker and 11 because Kemba Walker is a better player than Garrett Temple. Certainly not a better player than Jackson Hayes, but I honestly don't know how Hayes is valued and viewed and what the, how the money then impacts the decision that the Pelicans want to make. So just throwing it out there. I don't think it's likely. I'm just as an example. I also just want to Say, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, before they did this trade, the Hawks had eight, 10, and 17, right? Uh, yes. Because they ended up drafting Cam Reddish yes, at 10. They so they needed to consolidate. Yeah, exactly. So if you're looking at the valuation of this and you're wondering, like, okay, yeah, the Hawks gave up a bunch, like they had their guy in mind and DeAndre Hunter, and they had him in mind for a very specific reason. They wanted to get defensive wing help surrounding Trey Young. Like this was. Mm-hmm. This was the like part two of their grandmaster plan of how they're going to like draft this crazy at, at, um, offensive talent and young, and then like build this team around them. Um, you know, hasn't worked out as of yet. Uh, maybe it will at some point, but I, I think that just has to add a little context to the trade. hundred percent. The theory for both teams was sound. It just didn't, yeah. didn't shake out. Yep. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. 
Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. My fiance is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about the sponsorship. Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and and then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So I want to bring back the payroll for the Kings, because when we talk about they want to win now, well, the likelihood of that is it's going to be for a player who's making a lot of money, unless it's someone like RJ Barrett. And it's not going to be RJ Barrett. At least it shouldn't be. This player is going to be making in excess of 15, 17, 20 or so million dollars. Can they lump enough salary where it works, where it's like Rashawn Holmes and Justin Holiday for X? Yes, they could. Or they could also take Harrison Barnes at 30 years old, who's a good player, but not exactly what they need, where they could get a four who is better. Maybe they get a three who's better. They have other options, but it feels like from a salary standpoint, in terms of trades, Barnes is the most likely candidate in my mind. Would you agree? Uh, Yeah, just for the money. Right. Okay. So let's move to the next team. Uh, The Pistons, right? They're really only person who can help them be a win now player or win now team is Jeremy Grant. Yes. And the question is, is it worth that for what they can do? Like, do the Kings want Jeremy Grant? Are they willing to do Jeremy Grant and five for four and um, uh, uh, Harrison Barnes? That to me, that doesn't feel like a good trade. It feels like they're moving down and they're getting a player who is, good in Jeremy Grant, but a lot of the reasons why he's good, maybe the main reason is because his usage rate is just so high. Yeah. To, and to me, I colors think, the rest of it. To me, I think the more likely deal and I don't think it's likely would be Sadiq Bay and five mm-hmm. to move up to four and then I don't know what small salary the Kings want to get rid of, but whatever. Some, right. Someone's not making a lot of money. Um, and the other one issue at Detroit is that their pick is protected yes. through 2027. Yep. And then they can't unlock the 2029 pick and they can't trade the 2028 pick. So they would have to incentivize OKC to unlock their picks on draft night or before 
to then open that up and then trade out of it. I'm not saying they can't do it. It just doesn't seem like something. Uh, if they had to do it and they had the opportunity, I get it. I, I just, I don't know. It doesn't seem the most likely. It, it's just, it's an interesting scenario between those two teams because it's been reported and I'm, I buy it uh, that Ivy doesn't want to go to the Kings and um, you know, why would he? Uh, so let's say the Kings internally have decided, yeah, we're not going to take a guy who doesn't want to be here. If we can't make a trade, we're going to take uh Keegan Murray anyway. Mm-hmm. Then if you're faced with like, well, we could take Keegan Murray here or we could just trade down a spot and still get the guy we want. It's like whatever we're picking up at that point is better than nothing. That's kind of why I, I think that might be the most likely trade partner. But I, I, that's going on that assumption, which I don't know that I should be making that assumption. Well, the only reason what I'll push back on is if you feel like you're in a slot where you could get a star and other teams know they could get a star, that you want more than that to get Keegan Murray. You know what oh, I mean? For, like for sure, but th- but the only tricky part there is another assumption. Let's say they're like, we want Keegan Murray. Like we we would have loved to have Ivy. He doesn't want to be here. We're not going to fight it. But we like Keegan Murray way more than the next best guy. And if they move any further down than five, they run the risk of not getting Keegan Murray. Yeah, it's just can Keegan Murray be a win now player? I, I, I mean, like I, I don't we, know. We we went into. 2020 with the mindset of, yeah, Obi's a late bloomer, yeah. but hey, he's he's an older prospect, should be able to contribute now. That was my philosophy. It was wrong. He was not ready. I feel like similar could maybe be said of Keegan Murray. And then if you're the Kings, you're putting a lot of faith in Murray to bring you what you need right now to get to the playoffs. And I don't know if he can provide it right away. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Next, the Indiana Pacers. They don't really have the salary. It'd have to be a three-team deal to get them a win-now player. Uh, they're not going to go with Brogdon. They just traded Buddy Heald. Uh, they could do Miles Turner, but <laughs> why would they? They just got them on to Sabonis. If they yeah. wanted Turner, they would have probably gotten Turner. I don't. I don't see the. I don't see the match here. It, to, I did to me, like the trade you had though in your newsletter. Oh, Duarte. Um, Duarte was. What did you say, Duarte? I think and, I said Duarte in a. Uh, did I say a future pick? first? Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe it was the Cavs pick, which is there's a chance will not convey as a first. It could convey as two seconds, which is why I think it's actually a fairly risky pick. You have to really believe that Cleveland is a top eight team and they they were close. Maybe with injuries, they they do it, but there's going to be more competition in the East next year. It might just be Levert for what amounts to Rubio in two seconds. Yeah. So I, I think that if they want to go that route, that route of what you're saying with Duarte, that makes a lot of sense. They could still get Keegan Murray. They could try to flip the pick and, and Barnes for other salary. I think it's sound. It's just a matter of, is that the best they can do? Huh. And you have the wizards. Ah, the Wiz. KP, come on yep. down to Sacramento. <laughs> it's, it's so there are, I think two things that make sense. And the first one I'm probably going to just rule out immediately, which is Bradley Beal. If you could construct a deal with Bradley Beal, it makes sense. I don't see them doing that. I don't see Bradley Beal opting into his player option to then be dealt to Sacramento. (laughs) I can't can't blame him for not wanting to do that. I think it'd be much better just 
He probably wants to get paid, but we don't really know. Maybe he wants to do something else. Um, that's the first one. The second is Kuzma. Kuzma. I think Kuzma could actually fit in nicely. What the matching trade, I mean, it'd probably be Barnes. Um, you could build something around that. The issue with Washington is that their first round pick situation is very ugly outside of yep. this year's pick. It's yep. protected for the next, well, until 2026. So they can't trade the 2027 pick. So they'd have to trade the 2028 pick. And that's a long ways away. That's a huge risk to be able to do that. Um, they'd have to do the same thing with OKC. Hey, can you free our pick, please? What's it going to cost you? Uh, if you look at what the Wizards have, I mean, they're trading this year. They don't have any good assets really to incentivize OKC to unlock the protections. So it's kind of like we have to hope you like 10 and coups and we protect the 2028 pick, but you can't really even protect the 2028 pick because it might not even convey as anything based on your other prior commitments. To to be clear, they can trade 10. Um, Yes. Yeah. So like 10 Kuzma and Denny for Barnes. And for God, I mean, is that offer can be topped is the only thing I think it can, because I think like, here's the thing. Harrison Barnes gets like tossed around like a rag doll as far as his reputation league. Harrison Barnes is a good, solid player. Mm-hmm. I know Kyle Kuzma came on this year. Kyle Kuzma was, I think, a good, a really good player for large stretches this year. Denny Avdia is, is only two years in the league, has some upside still. He's been really good on defense. I think there's still some untapped potential there. Like, but man, doesn't feel like enough to me, at least. And because of what you just spoke about with the future um, pick situation. Now, I wonder. No, no, never mind. I was going to say with, with just Denny and 10 for like some crappy salary. I, that doesn't feel like enough. No, they did more, especially if they're competing with, for example, uh, five or six. Yeah, or it's, it's not a far jump. Then keep for Murray. Sure. Absolutely. hundred percent. So we've talked about the two ways, right? Trade from 11 to four directly or trade from 11 to four di- indirectly by going five to eight and then trading to four. But what, what if what there if were there a were third, third way. way? And I, I've been thinking about this the last 24 hours. Okay. I'm not going to get there quite yet, but I'm just going to lay the foundation here. I think that looking at it as just, hey, let's trade up as a two team deal, or let's trade with another team and then get to another team, or let's trade with the two teams that are ahead of the Knicks. One being um, the Kings, the other being whatever. I think it's a little myopic. I think we can get a little bit more creative than that. But before I get into that, what helped inspire this was the idea of trading back specifically the mindset of, Hey, what if the Knicks traded to 13 and picked up the 15th pick and the Hornets just love uh, Duran, if he's there or Mark Williams or whatever yeah. it is. And I just, it's, it's a lot. That's, that is a ridiculous amount. Um, let me just show recent late lottery trade backs. You got the Blazers in 2017 and they traded 10 to the Kings for 15 and 20. 10 was Zach Collins. 15 was Justin Jackson. 20 was Harry Giles. Um, even though the Blazers, I, I mean, none of these players is on their respective teams. So it's moot, but um, Zach Collins is in the NBA and Justin Jackson and Harry Giles are not. Nope. The Suns in 2018, they received the 10th pick, which was Mikhail Bridges. They traded 16, which was Zaire Smith. And then they traded the 2021 Miami Heat first, which 
turned out to be the 18th overall pick, which was Trey Mann. Uh, Dyer Smith's not named it. He's not. And Trey Mann is a good player, but Mikael Bridges is a really good player. Yes. Defensive player of the year, uh, runner-up. He is 100% the better selection here. But it just goes to show, to move from 10 to 16, you had to have a future first-round pick. And this Miami pick, for those maybe who may not remember, was super coveted because 2021 was thought to be in 2018, a double draft year. And the heat are not going to be a great team. They were not in good shape. This was a valuable asset and it just turned into a not it's fine. Like it was again, 18 is a fine pick, but it's similar to the, um, like the Celtics and the Sixers trades of your, where they thought the Kings were going to be really bad or the Grizzlies were going to be really bad. And they just, weren't they just weren't at all um and then in that same year 2018 you have the clippers receiving 11 and you have the hornets receive two and i'm sorry receiving 12 and two future seconds so if you look at you know what's going on here if the knicks traded from 11 to 12 with the thunder you'd want 34 and you'd want okc's second in next year's class is that worth it well Recent history says, no, just take the best player available at 11. Those assets are marginal. Now, granted, the Knicks have traded back before. I think that's important. The question, however, is, is it worth it for them because of the slope, right? At a certain point, yes. you got a lot of value higher up and you got some value lower. It's easier to trade out at 19 than it is to you know, do something else like 11. The Hornets, again, they own very few good second round picks. They're not doing 13 and 15. The Cavaliers, um, they also don't have a lot of good second round picks. They can't trade a first until 2025. There's a report today that they're thinking of even trading back. So that doesn't really work out. Then there's the Hornets. Again, um, same thing. Not a lot of seconds that are good. They can't trade a first for a while, uh, specifically until 2027 as this moment, thanks to the trade that the Knicks made with them last year's during last year's draft. Um, then there's the Hawks at 16. The Knicks would need a future first from the Hawks. That is in line with the whole 10 for 16 versus 11 for 16. The question is, would the Hawks be willing to do it? And I'm skeptical because it seems like they would probably rather I'm I'm reading into this. Maybe you might disagree. Maybe no, you might I, I don't. I know where you're going. I'd rather disagree. use future picks to get someone like Gobert, someone yeah. better. And the first that they have that's disposable is the Hornets first that the Knicks traded to Atlanta for Cam Reddish. They clearly did not want that pick and rather take the chance with Cam. And then last, there's the Rockets at 17. Same thing. We need a future first because 11 for 17 and 26 is terrible value. It's worse than what was 10 for 15 and 20 with, uh, with the Kings and the Blazers. No, no disagreement. So I do want to talk about the Atlanta Hawks though, because they are really a fascinating team to me. And it's funny because as I'm doing this, I've got a really good friend who is a Hawks fan who is, he's texting me and is like, this is, this is, I hate this, blah, blah, blah. But he's so high on John Collins that it's just like, well, absurd. Unfortunately, the Hawks are not as high on John Collins. <laughs> right. Um, so he also, he's a fan. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. He, maybe yeah. he doesn't read into it as much, but um, the Hawks reportedly won a lottery pick. This is what uh, Kevin O'Connor mentioned. There were talks of trading John Collins with the Blazers and that interaction with the seventh overall pick. Collins and 16 for Barnes and four is just a, it's a steal. It's a heist 
for Atlanta. It's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. Um, yeah. The Kings should be fired on the spot if this. The front should be hired on the spot if this happens. Not going to happen. But we do know the Kings want win now talent, and we know that Knicks want Ivy. So how can we make this work? Well, came up with a trade. Ooh. Love it, hate it. I don't really care. I'm going to read it through it and then explain why I came to this decision. And I agonized over this, and I feel like I fine tuned it, but so be it. So, in one corner, you have the I, Knicks. This is this is fair. I'm glad you think so. I I am seeing it already. It's and people are not going to want to do this. That's okay. But I will walk them through it for why I I may disagree with that. Um, so the Knicks get the fourth overall pick. Um, they take on Mo Harkless's expiring money. It's $4.3 million. They take on Alex Lenz expiring money. It's $3.7 million. And they get a second round pick. It's it's really a Pacers pick, 2023 second round pick, um, but it's from the Kings. And then the Kings get John Collins, Alec Burks, the 16th pick overall from Atlanta, and the Dallas pick from the Knicks in 2023. And then the Hawks, because they're trading John Collins, get Harrison Barnes, Quentin Grimes, the 2023 first round pick that the Knicks own their own pick unprotected and the 11th pick overall. So I'm going to walk us through a little bit more you, cleanly. Okay, yes, go ahead. Uh, no, no, keep going. So the Kings, again, they're trading for the 2023 Indiana second Barnes, Alex Len. Uh, and Mo Harkless, and they are receiving the 16th pick overall, the 2023 Dallas first round pick over, uh, not first round, Dallas first round pick, which is top 10 protected. John Collins, Alec Burks. The Knicks are trading 11, their own first round pick in 2023, a Dallas pick in 2023, Burks and Grimes, and they are receiving four, that Pacers pick I mentioned, Len and Harkless. And then the Hawks are using 16 and Collins to get 11. The Knicks unprotected first. Barnes and Grimes. Go back to the trade screen for a second, just so I can make sure I'm I'm not screwing this up. I know it's um, a lot. There, there are a lot of there are twelve pieces in total that are here. Um, so five from the Kings, five from the Knicks, two from the Hawks. I think where I would disagree is I think the Kings would get the Knicks 2023 first rounder. I had that originally. I did. Yeah. The reason why I shifted it over is because of the fact that if the Hawks are trading John Collins, they're going to need a little bit more than moving up five spots, getting a pick that could be in the twenties. Barnes is expiring contract and Grimes, who they are big fans of. We know this from the Cam trade, but I think they I, needed something more to sink their teeth into. I think. They are out on Collins and I don't think there's a huge market for Collins. And I think the Kings would be very in on Collins. And I think the Hawks would be very in on Barnes and Grimes. I I'll, I'll, I'll push back. We'll, we'll agree to disagree here. Um, I'm flexible. I, I Listen, it's the general framework. If we're talking about like, hey, this 2023 pick should go to this team versus this 2023 pick go to the other team. I can I can live with that. That's and fine. then the only other thing I'll throw in there, and, and I guess nobody's going to like this. Um, I could see the Kings demanding quickly in the deal as well. Well, I'll go into why I don't think that is necessary, but um, 
Might not be, I uh, but you. I just I, I want to throw that out there as like just, um, but the, as a general framework, this is really good. So here's the thing about draft picks, right? Draft picks don't have faces. They are nameless assets that can be disposed of with a little bit more relative ease. And I know that if you're listening to this and you're feeling queasy at any point, because you're thinking there's no... 2023 protections on that pick. Like it's not even top four protected. I'm trying to create a world in which RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, uh, Jaden Ivy and Cam Reddish are Knicks. On top of that, I'm also trying to do the whole veteran thing where I move the pieces around. Like I mentioned, if you're able to move Randall and get Pirtle out of that, if you're able to uh, consolidate other assets in some way, there's a lot going on here. If you believe that the Knicks can add enough talent around them this offseason, in addition to this move where they can get better, then I understand the concerns of like, well, there's no safety net. You may not need one. You might be able to get higher up uh, in the standings, which then would be a lower draft pick, which would be certainly ideal. But I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, here's why I believe this is enough from the Knicks. Um, again, most of the trade protection, most of the times where a pick is traded, a first round pick, they're protected. Uh, you mentioned this before. It's just, we're at the point now where unprotected picks are very rare. Yep. So the, there is value in the, in, I guess we're saying the Hawks, it could be the Kings. It doesn't matter. Whichever team knowing this is the year we're getting this pick. That's great. That in itself is value. Um, you do have, even though you get your own first and the Mavericks first out, you still have the 2023 Detroit second and you have the 2023 Indiana second. I really believe the 2023 Detroit second can be around 35. Um, if the Pacers don't do a whole lot so, then that pick could be around 40. So basically, are you able to move 35 and 40 up to 30? Can you find good enough talent at 35 and 40? Can you also gain other assets in like, if you're doing the Randall for Pirtle and you get a first round pick from the Blazers, as I mentioned, and then you sign and trade Mitchell Robinson, maybe actually get more value than just getting a traded player exception back. And that can help replenish your stock. Similarly with other veterans that might be on the roster. I know that fans might be low on the value of the Knicks, but I think as individuals, they still have neutral value for the most part. Then you have guys like specifically Kemba Walker, who's much more of, he's just expiring salary. Yep. Um, as I said, the Hawks, it was known that they loved Quentin Grimes. They wanted him in the trade. Instead, they took for, for Cam. Instead, they took on the first round pick. So uh, they need someone like him around Trey. I think he's actually a perfect oh my God. role player. Next There's not to a Trey. team in the league that wouldn't love to have Quentin Grimes. Yeah, he's just that type of person. Uh, you're then turning Burks. That's why earlier when you had mentioned Burks with Randall, I wanted to hold off on him for yeah. this reason. Burks is a good player. He shouldn't be a point guard. And it's a shame that Last season turned him into what he isn't, but what he is, is a good shooter, a good secondary ball handler, someone who was even in Sacramento before um, he, he can do a lot. And if you're swapping him out uh, or swapping him in for Alex Len and Mo Harkless, two players who are useless in the yeah. sense of they're yeah. not going to see much time. That's a win. It's worthwhile. And again, you're not trading all of this to get the fourth pick. You're trading all this and the 11th pick to get to the fourth pick. So it's not like, it's not like, hey, wow, okay, well, it's four and eleven. It's no, no, no. You're you're paying a lot to move up. Yeah, you have to. Like, there's no world in which you don't pay a lot 
to move up. And the reason why it's expensive, we just talked about the teams that are sitting fifth and sixth that have the ability to just move up one or two spots. You have to make an offer that's so good using another team that the fifth and sixth teams are like, we can't, we can't match this. How are, how are we going to do this? I don't know. So that's where you kind of stand. My very quick one is that the Knicks are not getting up to four without giving up the 2020, their, their 2023 pick. And if you say, well, maybe they should give up a more distant first. Sure. That uh, there might be a team that would value that, but I'm sure the Knicks don't want to have a pick out there in the future because then it uh, limits what they could trade away in a package for, you know, whoever they want to get down the line. They, they would, as much as I'm sure they would be frightened of it. This is the pick they would rather trade away. Yes. Um, I just want to look at draft scores. You know, before we were talking about the Hawks, 2680 with Hill and then 4490 for the Pelicans blowing out of the water, blowing them out of the water. Um, in this year, if you did the same thought process, it'd be the Kings trading four and what could be 40. That would be 2,900 points. Plus trading out Barnes, who's a good player, but then trading out Len and Harkless, who take that value down. Then you've got, let's say the Knicks trade the 11th pick this year and what could be the 14th pick next year if they play their cards right. Um, and maybe the Mavs pick is 22nd. Then you're looking at 4,260 points, but you're also factoring in that Grimes is a good player and Burks mm-hmm. is a good player. And then the Hawks, they trade 16, uh, which is 1,350 points, but they've got Collins, who's the best established player of the bunch. So that has to count for a lot. And the reason why I'm using this is to show the Knicks are paying a premium to get this pick, just like the Pelicans did to pay their pick. It's just, they have to keep jumping and they need the third team. And they're going to have to pay the premium. Like you're, if you're getting, if the Knicks end up with Jaden Ivy, they will have made a trade that people will look at and the, they will say the Knicks overpaid. There's yes. just no way around that. Yeah. And look, eight, 17, 35 and 35 versus 11, 14 and 22. If that's the case, that's similar value, despite the fact that the Knicks are starting further away being 11 than they were eight. I mean, granted, yes, 4490 versus 4260, but then throw in Burks and Grimes and then taking on Alex Len and Mo Harkless. That's better value than what the Pelicans gave up. Yeah. Uh, here are the threats. Another team could acquire John Collins, right? Like the Blazers, as I mentioned. But maybe there's a way that you could do a three-team deal with Portland. You get seven, and then you try to go from seven to four, which was like what we were talking about earlier. Root for um, OGN and OB to get traded for Portland. <laughs> exactly. Uh, then they're the Kings. You know, if they prefer another offer, they can get win now talent and stay in the top ten. I, I would understand it. But if the offer has to be far greater, the Knicks have to give up more. And if they do have to give up more, it's understanding what the gap would be. What, you know, how to bridge the gap between getting it done and not. Uh, this is sort of what the Kings could look like. Even, you know, you got Fox holiday, DiVincenzo when he gets re-signed John Collins, who's a great fit next to Sabonis uh, in transition, uh, great role man to work with deer and Fox uh, you know, spaces, the floor. I think he'd be a really, I think he'd be what they need to be a higher floor team. Um, Sabonis. And then on the back end, you got uh, Davian Mitchell, Alec Burks, Jeremy lamb. Uh, you could get Tari Eason 16. And you have Rashawn Holmes backing up DeMontis Sabonis, assuming they don't make other deals. Um, if you look at that again, they're, they're, they're essentially, but I should add that they're losing four there too, but they're gaining a decent chunk for it. They're, they're treating an asset that is potentially a star asset and getting a star uh, return for it. 
And un- under my scenario, if they end up with the Knicks uh, 2023 pick, they would then be able to flip that for something at the deadline or mm-hmm. potentially at next year's draft. Yes. More ammo. Uh, let's look at the Knicks, right? You're allowed to have <laughs> 20 players on the roster in the summertime. Giddy and up. going to be working with it. But you're talking about uh, Jaden Ivey, Evan Fournier, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, uh, Mitchell Robinson, question mark, uh, Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin. Jericho Sims question mark. And then on the periphery, it's Deuce, uh, Kemba, Mo Harkless, Nerlens, who I would imagine is dealt as well, uh, Alex Len, and then maybe Taj Gibson. And yeah, like you're losing Grimes. You're losing this year, you're losing next year's pick completely. Uh, you're losing the Mavericks pick, but we there's a whole logjam issue with veterans, but there's the logjam issue with the youth that Listen, we do not, we have not addressed that, John. The reason we haven't addressed it is because I don't think that people are truly ready for us to have that conversation of there might be too many young players. And if they're you're going to consolidate all, them, then you're going to find it in Jaden Ivey. I am totally okay with that. They're not all going to be back. No, and they shouldn't. That's, Again, if you're listening to this, not pre- be. prepare for the fact that they're not all going to be back. Yeah, whether it's this year or the following year. I I don't think it's going to take that long, but that's I, just my two cents. I agree. I, I agree. And then the Hawks, right? You got Trey Young, Herter, uh, Hunter, Barnes, Capella. Then you got Dylan Wright, or Dylan Wright, Quentin Grimes, Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, Jalen Johnson, and Onyeka Okongwu. And the interesting thing here, because I know I didn't mention the 16th pick, this gives the Hawks the ammo to get Rudy Gobert if they want him. And what's even crazier is they could make this whole thing a four-team deal by yeah. lumping in the Jazz. And then you, you, um, like if Quentin Grimes were to go to the Jazz, you avoid aggregation issues. Like you could make this an even bigger trade. It would be a mammoth deal. Again, I'm not saying it will happen, but that's the foundation, the blueprint of how it would work out. Um, the Hawks need to consolidate as well, like using the using Collins to get, um other players that help their their team as a whole get more picks and then consolidate some of the picks and some of the players for Rudy Gobert. To me, I think that's a smart call. Maybe Gobert on the Hawks isn't the best move, but based on the way that they're navigating, I understand where they're at. I think it makes sense. This is genius because it takes two teams that have very clear incentive and it gives them what something that they want. And I think the value is good. I'll continue to disagree about where the Knicks first round pick in 2023 is ending up, but we can, can agree to disagree on that. Yeah, that's fine. It's not even agreed at that point. I'll just shrug. I, not at you. Just that's yeah, it. no, it, it's, it, it's, it's going out either way. So it doesn't matter where it's received. And if you're the Knicks, like you're getting your guy. Yep. Um, still work to be done. Still got to move on from Randall, especially if you get Ivy, I think. Um, because you've clearly turned the corner and like you're, that's your franchise now. It's Ivy, it's RJ, it's whatever kids you get to keep. Um, but you have your direction as a team. Yeah. There you go. So the last point for the conclusion, the Kings get better in the present and the future. They add a 25-year-old Collins to a 25-year-old De'Aaron Fox and a 25-year-old DeMontis Sabonis uh, for Harrison Barnes and Filler uh, and the 16th pick. They add Collins to a 27th ranked offense after the deadline, according to cleaning the glass. Um, They get Burks for some effectively dead money. Um, They can draft an immediate rotation player like Eason, like anyone uh, with the 16th pick. Oh, there's a few guys that they could get that'll help them right away. Yeah. yeah, And again, I said here, they essentially the Mavs pick, they add a pick between 11 and 30, but you could, if you wanted to say that the Knicks are probably going to pick between 11 and 30, probably closer to 11 than 30. Um, 
there's still an argument to be made because there are other moves the Knicks could make. The Knicks draft Ivy. They give up 11. Their own first in 2023. The Mavs first in 2023. Burks and Grimes. But they get four. And they get bad 2022 salary, which they can afford to do. They get and four. then lastly, the Hawks acquire a lottery pick, which they've wanted. They move off of Collins. They leverage him to land Barnes, who is cheaper. Uh, although they don't, there's not a ton of money difference here. Yeah. But regardless, uh, they get Grimes, who they've coveted. They get a first round pick uh, and they get to move up five spots from 16. So listen, I, I know that people are going to disagree. That's fine. Um, but I just, I, as you said, these oh. are three teams that clearly have initiative and objectives. And I just, I feel like this deal at least checks off the boxes. We can, we can talk about the deal, the, the trade, the picks and whatnot, but the framework I think is there. It's okay if you disagree. You could call us idiots for saying that we want to do this deal. That's fine. Don't be like, this is way too much to give up. If you want four, this is what it costs. If you think we're crazy because we would give up this much for four for an unproven player, that's totally fine. And I think the one biggest fear that people have, and I get it, is without the safety net, well, this is also 2023 is a great draft. Oh, yeah. You know, but okay, let's say they don't do this. Let's say they sit tight for the most part and they enter into next year and they're picking 15th. Yeah. And let's say they have the 20, 20, 22nd pick and it's the Mavs pick and they have the 35th pick and they find a way to keep trying to move up. We're doing the same song and dance just a year Look, later. They, we don't like, need if to you're go over consolidate this again, in the they... draft, do it. You could do it now if you have the opportunity or you do it next year. If you're not going to do it this year, do it next year. I'd like to see them do it this year. People need to accept they need to shit or get off the pot at some point. <laughs> my, my daughter comes in and asks, no, I'm done. Do the trade, Leon Rose. That's the last thing I have to say. Jeremy Cohen, you've outdone yourself yet again. Uh, anything else before we go? Uh, episode of Cream. Yes. Coming up on Wednesday. Should be the a night before week. the draft. Uh, I recommend people. Yes. I recommend people practice meditation, drinking. Drugs, whatever Drinking. gets you through. Just uh, we're almost there. Tune into that episode of Cream. I have a feeling we'll have some uh, news break between now and Wednesday that Jeremy will get to dissect. All right, this was fun, Jeremy. This was your best one yet. I mean that. This was incredible. I am gonna go. I'm gonna think about. I'm gonna fall asleep tonight thinking about the trade that you came up with. Um, everybody out there, thanks for tuning into another episode of the show. We have more content than I could possibly describe in words right now. Coming up from Nick's Film School over the next week, two weeks with free agency coming up as well. Um, check out the YouTube channel. Check out, just keep updating your podcast feed, uh, the newsletter. I'm going to have a bunch of good stuff there as well. Uh, and on that note, we hope you enjoy your week and we will talk to you soon. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.